hey, y'all. Morning, you're like, where was the video? Uh, we are in between series here, and so Key gave me a weekend to tell you whatever I want. Uh, so, so buckle up. Uh, we're going to be in Genesis 24, if you've got a Bible, uh, or it's got on your phone, uh, or you have it by heart, because you're that way. Uh, you can turn there. Uh, we're going to be talking about one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Uh, Bible, that was a great source of hope for me in my mid-20s. Um, so uh, this is a story, uh, and we start out here in Abraham. Now, uh, Abraham's story starts in Genesis 12. Uh, and so <laughs> we're here in Genesis 24. So there's a lot committed to the person of Abraham in our scriptures, right? Uh, but at this point, you know, in his whole life, it's, it's, you know, hey, leave where you're from. Come and follow me. I'm going to build you a nation. He's like, I don't have a son. And God fixes that. And finally has Abraham through Sarah in their old age. God comes through, moves them through. He has this lot situation with his nephew, right? And they're just moving through life. And he's finally arrived. Everything is good. He's got all the blessings. He has the son, the nation, right? Everything is going uh, well for him. And it says this now in Genesis 24. Abraham was now very old. And the Lord had blessed him in every way. And you're like, then why are we still talking about him? Sounds like his story's over, right? We're good. We're done. We're there. We've arrived. Uh, shouldn't it be over? Why are we still talking here? But it says this. He continues on with the story. It says, he, sa he said to the senior servant of the household, the one in charge of all he had, put your hand under my thigh. Right? He's found his most senior person. And all that. So this is, a, whatever's about to happen is a huge deal. He's finding his most experienced servant, the one in charge of everything. So his most experienced, his most trusted, right? And, he's, and he says, put your hand under my thigh. Which you're like, that seems weird. Uh, why would he do that? Uh, Adam Clark's commentary would say, he put his hand upon the part that bore the mark of circumcision. Just, why tell us that, Matt? Well, uh, because whatever Abraham is about to do, is something very serious, right? This is an oath that we don't see very often in the scriptures, but whatever it was, this typically had to do with the issue of posterity, the issue of family, right? He's about to deal with something. He's like, I need you on your A-game, bro. And so they make this, this kind of odd agreement. Are, can we all agree? We're happy with handshakes, right? Yeah. Uh, but that, he says, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of life. He's like, I mean, Abraham is at something. God, what is he at? He's going to make him swear by the name of the Lord, this next covenant, right? That God of heaven and the God of earth, that you will not get a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among who I am living, but will go to my country in my own relatives and get a wife for my son Isaac. What's the issue? Isaac ain't married, right? Like, God, God has promised the, the nations, like, right, look at the sand, look at the stars, right? You're going to have descendants, and also the hope of Israel will come through you. And Abraham's looking around like, this is awesome. Um, through who? Like, how's this going to work? I, I don't have any grandkids yet. So something's got to fix this. So Abraham, in his old age, before he bows out, he's like, we got to fix this issue. And it's a serious issue. Abraham is very, very solemn and serious and is going to the woodwork here about about finding a wife for his son. It's a serious issue, right? Isaac needs a wife. Isaac is like the 25-year-old version of me, right? Uh, I was 25, I was like, I was in between jobs, and I did what any other 25-year-old do. I, I put on a backpack, and I'm like, I'm going to Europe. 
uh, and I just, I went by myself for a couple months, uh, just traipsing around. I went like everywhere, everywhere from Portugal all the way over to Czech Republic, and I was just backpacking through the whole mess. It was awesome. Uh, but at one point, I got to this little, I was in Italy, and I got to this little tiny town called Civita, right? You've been there? Come on, guys. Tiny little, it's like this little hilltop town. You're like, does this even exist? Right? And there's this little bridge that goes all the way up to this little town called Civita de Bagnorosio, right? And so, and I get up there. Uh, isn't that nuts? It's awesome. This bridge, you have to walk the whole way. Because why would you build a city there? Because it's, who can invade that thing? Right? This one little, like, bridge that goes there. It's beautiful. It was amazing. Man, I walk into this city, right? And there's, like, five people who live there. Uh, right? One of them is Mary. Like, you can give her, like, a euro to, like, tour her little garden and all that. I found this little, like, cave thing where they were making bruschetta, which I met an Aggie in. He had an A&M shirt on. You can tell in the previous shirt I had my A&M shirt on. And I was like, what? And he was like, what are the chances? There's like three people here in this cave in the middle of this little town in Italy. And there's an Aggie there, right? We're everywhere. You cannot escape the tide, all right? Anyway, so I'm in there, right? I'm in this town. And, and I'm like, this is, and I got a little B&B. Uh, and it was this little, it's like up in the bell tower, this guy named Alfonso, right? Uh, and, and he was like, what do you want to eat, right? And so I was like, man, I don't know. Like, you, you pick. And he made me this pesto gnocchi, y'all. I was like, he made a little glass of like Chianti, you know, he's like a little drizzle of olive oil. And I was like, man, y'all, I was like, this is, I've arrived. I did it. I'm 25. You can take me now, Lord. Like, I, I, I made it, right? Like, I'm good, right? But it's so romantic looking out on the whole square. I had my little Chianti, my little gnocchi pesto. And I was like, you know what would make this so great? Like, someone to share it with. And I looked over at Alfonso. I was like, you ain't it, bro. This, like, kind of overweight, like, mustached out, thinned hair, you know, like Italian B&B owner. You know, and I'm like, not really what I had in mind for this moment, you know, of, like, the epitome of, like, all things romantic, right? Right, because these things, we want to be with somebody, right? This longing in our heart to experience the journey, the joys, the pains of life with another person, I mean, we have this toy, and that's not, a, that's not a bad thing to want, to want to have someone to walk through life with, to yearn to be with somebody. That's not a, that's not a bad desire, all right, for you young people who are like, oh, is it bad that I want to date? No, it's not a bad thing. Should you? I don't know. We'll talk about that. But it's not a bad yearning to have. That's a holy biblical calling because we're made in God's image to be together, to be with people, to be in union in that way. So the question is, how do we do it? How do we do that well? And hear me, like, I want to, like, get on this, but, like, how do we, how do we do this? Because here's the deal. Uh, we're about to go back to school, all right? And what happens when you go back to school? It's on, right? The dating pendulum starts to swing, and it comes in like a wrecking ball, right? It just, boom, and it's like, who can I date? right? And, and it goes bonkers, right? Or maybe you're in here and you're about to go back to college, uh, or maybe you're in here, you're single again. I don't know. You're an adult and you're like, hey, I still am trying to navigate the inner workings of what it looks like to find this person. Or maybe you're in that right now and you're like, I don't know if I made the right decision. And some of you are like, you laugh at that. Some of you, you like, you kind of tense up a bit because you wonder. And so there might be a great hope for you in here as well. And I'm not here to like belabor anybody. It's just, man, the, the reality though is is figuring this out has changed, right? It is a disaster out there, amen? 
as Rob McCullen would say, it is an abomination. Uh, like, it is just, it's nuts out there. And I know that most of us are married, but the beauty of the scriptures is that they are both timeless and they tend to have a way of speaking to all of us in every life stage, right? Right? And you married people, they listen to your marriage series, all right? You can deal with one Sunday on dating, all right? So just hang in there, uh, suck it up, right? And, and we do it in here so that the kids can be with their parents while we talk about dating. You're welcome for that, by the way. A uh, little awkwardness for you, but we're, we're going to go there. Uh, but has, it has the, like... Like, the process of finding a spouse has changed, right? Like, Jim, how many apps did you use to find Mary Pat? <laughs> Not very many. Yeah, right, apps, right? You didn't even have a cell phone, right? I mean, this, right, it's changed. It is absolutely crazy out there, right? You used to get married in your early 20s after this courtship stuff, or maybe you got married right out of high school, right? You'd hit puberty at 13, Right? But now people get married in their mid to late 30s. And it's not a transition anymore. You hear that? Like this isn't a transition. This is a sprawling life stage now. It is a sprawling, spanning decades. And nobody knows the rules. It's crazy out there. And in like this decades of coupling, uncoupling, hooking up, and you add the immeasurable variables of of cell phones and dating apps right and texting and ever changing everything the rules of courtship have dissolved in its place is largely ambiguity insecurities anxieties and i tell you young folk what all of us older people are thinking i'm so glad i didn't have to do it when i was your age <laughs> right that's what we all think when we look at you people we're like, I don't even know how you do it now. And so we look at your lives, and we look just beyond you, and, and I'll tell you, we think two things, aside from being, like, thankful that we don't have to navigate it for ourselves. But we think two things. One, we look ahead of you, and we think, it's so crazy. Like, we kind of, we mourn for you in a way of, of just how difficult it is and the struggle of trying to find healthy relationships. But, but we also... We also struggle with the intimidation of not understanding your world, right? And I feel, I bet every parent feels that to some degree. We're a little intimidated by, by what we don't understand about what it's like to pursue relationships and the factors that are all before you. Dating has changed. And that process used to be met with words like exciting, right? They used to be met with suspenseful, thrilling. But the more and more I talk to young people, the more I hear words like stressful, it's depressing, it's difficult. And let me tell you something. While it's changed dramatically over 15 years, this story in Genesis, which is over 4,000 years old, will tell us some secrets on how to unpack this timely process of finding the one. All right? So let me pray, and, and we'll, we'll finish the rest of the sermon here. Father, uh, man, a 4,000-year-old story, honestly? I mean, the fact that that we can turn to this and see your heart for us. God, what a miracle. I mean, it's just a miracle, God. And so, Lord, we pray that as we unpack these words, that we would be receptive to it, that we would find ourselves in it, that we would be obedient to this, that we would, uh, maybe those of us, maybe we just need a little bit of surgery here this morning to remove some things in our heart, 
get us right to have us ultimately, God, focus on you. And so we pray that that would be what happens here this morning. They'd be more equipped to be a disciple of your son, Jesus. And so we love you. Be with us here this morning. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we have Abraham. He's sending his servant on this important mission, right? The task of finding a wife for Isaac. This is the longest chapter in Genesis, by the way. Uh, we're going to get through it all right here, right now. So here we go. Uh, and he makes him swear, right, by the name of God. I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, that you will not find a wife for my son among the daughters of the Canaanites. Right? That's where they're at. That's where they're living right now. Uh, but you will go to my country, which is about 500 miles away. Among my own relatives, find a wife of my son Isaac. Basically, my own relatives, saying of, of, of the believers, of the people who still fear and know the Lord. The servant asked him, what if the wom- woman is unwilling to come back with me to this land? Shall I then take your son back to that country from which you came? And Abraham says, make sure that you do not take my son back there. All right, so what's going on? Uh, and what's up with the Canaanites? This isn't like an issue of race. Oh, he's a racist. That's not at all what's going on here. It's not an issue of race. This is an issue of the heart, right? The, the Canaanites were a, uh, they were a polyistic place. They, it was, man, the, the things and the practices that they were about were harming their kids. Uh, it was a lost nation, and Abraham's like, I don't want my son, the promise and the hope of all of God's people, to be, to be yoked with that, right? He's like, I don't, I don't want him with that. And Abraham says, and this is fascinating, he says, if and, it, right, and, the, and the servant says, well, what if they're not willing to come? Abraham says, I don't care. You don't take my son there, which is an interesting risk, right? Because what is at risk? His son not getting married. And this whole lineage, right, of what Jesus eventually came through, stopping right here. But Abraham says, it is worth this to me, that you do not yoke him with someone who isn't like him in his faith. It was that important to him. He would rather him not get married. He says, don't yoke him with the non-believer. Well, what is a yoke? And why do we say that? Uh, young people, this is what a yoke looks like, right? It's like the thing that goes on the beast of burden, right? And it chains two of them together so that they can do like the hard manual labor. Now what happens if you, this is so great. Y'all, all, all you young people sat like front row. I'm just, this is perfect. Um, no, and what happens when, like, what if you chained like, you know, my golden retriever to a bull, right? You say, hey, go plow this field. They're going to plow a circular field, right? Because that bull is going to tow, and my dog is going to be like, what's up? Is that a rock? Right? Like, not going to pull. It's going to have one. It's going to be unequally yoked. And if anything, that's if my dog can even, like, touch the ground, right? He's gonna, she's going to be, like, lifted up, and it's going to be awkward for her. And eventually, though, she'll try to pull in one direction towards a stick, right? The bull's going to be like, I'm just going where this dude says. And, and they're going to rub each other raw with that yoke on them. It will rub them raw, and it will get sore, and it can cause injury. This is the image that the Bible paints for us of being yoked with someone who doesn't share our faith. That it can lead to this, Right? You have different goals. Like Tozer says, the most important thing about a person is what they believe about God. And why would he say that? Because what you believe about God informs everything about your life. It informs how you spend your money, how you spend your time, where you volunteer, how you raise your kids. It affects every decision, should affect every decision 
you make in life, where you're going, how you decide with school, how you vote. All these things should be like, right, what you believe about God and your obedience to him will affect everything. And so if you're not a believer, I mean, don't, don't date a believer. They're going to drive you crazy. And if you're a believer, don't date a non-believer. You're going in different directions. Right? And so, and so, and if you're, listen, like being a good person, you may think, but he's so nice. Being a good person is not the goal of the gospel. That is, being a good person is not a biblical worldview. That's nice. It's a nice bonus. Right? But, but if you think that, oh, well, they're nice, they're sweet, right, is, is a replacement for having submitted their heart to Jesus, you need to know there's a little bit more nuance than that. There's a little bit more nuance than that. Right? And so you're going to put a yoke on in marriage. That's what you do in marriage. Amen? Like parents, right? You put on this thing. It's heavy. And you have someone else with you. And why is that on? And why does marriage exist? For hard work. And that's what marriage is. And those of you who got married in your life, this is so hard. Yeah. That's why it's a yoke, y'all. It is difficult. Question, who do you want to be chained with? to do the hard things in life you're like dang it too late i did it wrong <laughs> you just gotta know babe i messed up i'm sorry like it's on me i dated you like it's my, my right like who do you like here, who do you just want to sit and be bored with because you got to know kid that's that's most of what marriage is amen right it's like you just sit and you're bored like i don't know what you think your parents do all the time it's mainly sitting and being bored they're just hanging out like, who can you do that with? Like, your whole life. There's no escape. You're going to yoke yourself. And if you do it unevenly, that whole rest of your life is going to rub you raw. It's going to hurt. It's going to hurt them, too. This isn't just, I'm not just trying to egg on the non-believer. They're, they're going to get hurt, too, in that. You're going to have expectations on them that they're not comfortable with. And, and so, well, why did we do this? It's, I'm not just trying to egg on them, you know. It's, now, we pray that within, that's a whole other sermon for another, for another day. And there's, there's a lot of nuance there, too. And I'll, I might get to some of that later when we have time. But. And so it says this. If, what if she's unwilling to bring him back here? Abraham, now why, why does Abraham say that? Like, no, 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 no. Even if she's a believer over there, don't, if she's not willing to come back here, don't take him over there. Like, wh why would he say that? And what kind of woman would say that? You're thinking, probably a smart one. Like some servant shows up and is like, hey, will you come marry this dude 500 miles away? You're like, she sounds reasonable, right? Um, well, like what kind of woman is Abraham looking for? He's looking for a woman who will walk by faith. He's looking for, now girls, if a dude comes to you and is like, hey, I know a guy 500 miles away, that's a no, all right? You need to know that. That's a no. You feel the Lord, this is the Lord speaking to you now. No, all right? Don't do that. Uh, but what is like a little differently here, and this is arranged issues, then whatever. Um, and so what is Abraham looking for? He's looking for someone that is going to have the same kind of life with his son Isaac that he had with Sarah. Of a life lived on the edge of obedience and faith. Right? Abraham has had a life of walking with the Lord and seeing the Lord do impossible things in his, in his walk with the Lord. And he's thinking, I want the same for my son. I want a woman who's willing to walk by faith, right? Don't just marry a person who says, yeah, yeah, I, I love God. Oh, yeah, I believe in God. Marry the person that is leading so hard on Jesus that if Jesus moved, they'd fall over. That's who you want to marry. That's who you want to date. 
right? Abraham did not waver on this. And his call to not waver on this is our call to not waver on it as well. Don't compromise here, right? God knows you and he knows what you need. Be patient, right? God knew that I'd be a pastor long before I did, right? And so when I was 17, he had me meet Sarah, who is basically a pastor's kid, grew up a church rat like my daughter Liv, right? And I had no idea. And, and eventually, though, like, I, so then I'm like, what a gift now that I'm married. But, but God knew, and then I didn't know, but he had me wait till I was 30 to get married, and he may have you wait too. It may be a longer journey than you're expecting for, but you wait. Do not settle. Girls, dudes, don't settle. Don't settle. Not on this. It's important. And look at Abraham's mindset, because you think, well, that's great, Matt. Congratulations to you and your family. Uh, great. You know, so happy for you. It all worked out. Uh, but the truth is, um, right, there's no guarantees for me. Might be what you're thinking. There's no guarantees for me. Maybe this is the best I'm going to get. I have to do this now. Otherwise, like, what, like, Matt, you don't understand the pool that I'm working with. Matt, you don't understand the experiences I've had. Matt, you don't understand how broken I am. Matt, you don't understand these things. Or I feel like time is running out. Matt, you don't, you don't get it. I'm not sure that God has that kind of plan for me. Well, look at Abraham's mindset, right? When, when he says, do you want me to bring her back here? Or, uh, sorry, do you, what, should I take your son over there? And Abraham says, no. Abraham follows up with this in verse 7. The Lord, the God of heaven, who brought me out of my father's household in my into the, my native land, and who spoke to me and promised me an oath, saying, to your offspring I will give this land, he will send his angel before you so that you can get a wife for my son Isaac from there. What's Abraham doing? He says, I know, this is crazy. But I have a God who's in the business of crazy. And he can, right, look at my life here, servant. Dude, I don't know what the servant's name was, Carl, right? He said, Carl, look at this. Like, God brought me out of this land. And when we had no business having a son, he gave us a son. And not just any son, but the lineage of which the Savior of the universe would come. He can handle a wife for my son. And he can handle your marriage. He can handle your dating. He can handle your life. He can handle it. Abraham trusted him, and you can trust him too. You don't need to freak out with dating, right? Dating shouldn't be a, <laughs> right? You're doing it wrong, right, if that's the case, which everyone's like, oh, I definitely did it wrong. Um, right, so then what happened? Verse 10, the servant left then, and he took with him 10 of his master's camels loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. Isn't that a funny verse? Loaded with all kinds of good things. I don't know what those good things were, uh, but, but it is interesting here, right? He's going, he's, it, like, why is he going with all of that stuff? Because Abraham's like, she needs to know, daddy gets paid, right? <laughs> like, daddy gets paid, daddy's got the, he's got the resources. Dudes, one of the greatest gifts you can give a dad if you're dating his daughter is the assurance that you're going to take care of her. That you're going to take care of her, right? He shows up, and he's like, we've got this. Right? You're secure, right? And you're like, no, we'll live on love. False. Okay? <laughs> you're not going to live on love. Love should prompt you to get a job. All right? Get a job, dudes. I had one when I was 16 to fund my dating relationship with Sarah. I worked at HEB. Amen? All right? Uh, I worked at HEB. I was bagging groceries. Why? Because we had to get to the Driscoll. Okay? Uh, to eat, not to stay. All right? <laughs> and, and so we were, right? 
And so I was working at HPV. I was slinging it, right, trying to, to, to date that. I, I wanted to show her I got this. I'm willing to work for this. I'm not going to spend daddy's money. Well, I guess he, whatever. The, the image breaks down a little here. But he's actually, it is Isaac's because he's going to inherit that and he's going to be in charge of all of it. Anyway, so he's, uh, so it, let's move on, right? Get a job. He set out, now the, he sends out uh, the, the, Carl, the servant. He sent out for Aram uh, of Nahoraim and made his way to the town of Nahor. He had the camels kneel down near the well outside the town. It was toward evening, the time the women go out to draw water. Man, he's smart. Where's he hanging out? Where the girls are, y'all. He's going where they are, right? He's not on his phone. He's not playing Xbox, right? He's going where they are. Some of you are single because you're just lazy. That's all I got for that, right? Like, I joined choir because Sarah was in choir. Sacrifices had to be made. I could have had an off period, you know? But I was like, man, she's in choir. All right. Uh, and so I joined choir. Uh, and he goes where the girls are, but not just any girl. He goes where there's women who are willing to serve. He's like, you know what? I want, I want a woman who is willing to roll her sleeves up and get in the game and serve alongside here. So he goes, and he prays to the Lord, Master Abraham, uh, make me successful today and show kindness to my Master Abraham. He prayed. Man, he trusted and he invited the Lord into the process. Man, some of you, you feel lonely. You feel like you may never find someone. Or I'd say even in your marriage, maybe you feel like you're stuck in a loveless marriage. And you're in here and you're lonely. The idea of finding a healthy relationship just feels so elusive to you. But you have never invited the Lord into this process. I'd encourage you in that anxiety, in that questioning, invite God in. Invite him in. Do you think he wants you to be with garbage? Invite him in. He wants to fulfill the desires of your heart. And can I tell you, man, waiting and being uncertain in this part of your life is difficult. The wondering if it's all going to work out. Man, I get it. I've, I've been there. I remember in high school thinking to myself, Lord if she has a pulse, I will date her. Like, just bring me anything. If it breathes, you know? Like, I, I just wanted to date somebody, right? I wanted the validation of being desired, of feeling worth something. And I thought that if I could just date someone, then I would be fulfilled. And it would all work out, that I'd be so much happier. And all those recesses of my soul would just fill up. If I could just get her, right? And at that point, I wasn't even, I don't even think I'd, I hadn't even met Sarah yet. I was just uh, a teenage boy in high school thinking that this was the goal. And this is the issue that we can get caught in, right? I'm going to date because in that person and in I'm dating, they're going to function much like a savior for me in my own insecurities, right? Girls, you might be looking at that guy to fill that void, looking around, you know, like just like look at the round at the dudes, you know, I mean, I don't know. Most of them could just barely clothe themselves this morning. You need to know that, all right? They got one hand on a Nintendo Switch and the other on a Kalachi. They're just trying to figure out life, girls, right? They have no idea. They don't have the tools, right? They're not equipped to minister to the deep recesses of your heart and your soul. You think they're going to set down the honey bunches of oats and just be like, girl, you're beautiful. <laughs> they don't have the tools. 
They don't know what they're, they don't, they don't know how to really minister to those deep, dark insecurities of your heart. All the dudes, every dude, I don't care how gray his head is in here. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's still trying to figure it out. Amen? This is why it is absolutely critical to find someone who has their well filled already with the person of Jesus. Otherwise, he will keep draining your well, expecting you to be Jesus for them. Not always, but this is the case I see a lot. Guys, she doesn't have it all figured out either, by the way, right? She's going to want to dress you, right? Make you pose for pictures that she can post on social, right? You're going to feel like a pawn in her game. Why? Newsflash, you are a pawn in her game, okay? <laughs> and she's not doing that post because she loves you. She's doing that because she just doesn't want to look alone to all her friends. Right? She doesn't have it all figured out. She's going to make you talk about everything about things about feelings but she's gonna just make you talk about your motivations your favorite color until you figure out that your favorite color is wrong and here's the point here's the point she won't complete you she will not be the thing that satisfies your soul either don't look for the savior settle on christ as your savior and it will free you to engage in a healthy way with another person. Too many of us want another person to tell us what Jesus has already told us. That you are loved. That you are worthy. That you are whole. That you are valuable. That you are beautiful. That you are made in his image. Right? That uh, Isaiah uh, 43, 42, it tells us, right? That, that I've called you by name. That I've loved you. That he's ransomed you. That's Jesus. That's the Savior. You have that in him. Romans 5 says this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That is a Savior. Not him, not her. That is is a savior and if you cannot love a god that is willing to do this for you what makes you think that you're ready and equipped to love a sinful person this is one of the primary goals of singleness this is what corinthians will lay out for us as well that singleness is here for you to develop an undivided secure relationship with the lord that god uses this pursuit of singleness to shape you as a person so you don't have to freak out, right? He uses this to, to shape you as a person. Get to know God. I mean, let him wash over your heart and, 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 and work on those inner workings of your insecurities. Let him work on you, improve you, so that you'll be the kind of person who's ready to be married. Here's a great question. I mean, imagine you're a parent, right? And your little kid comes to you and asks you, I mean, I just imagine, like, what if Liv came to ask me, like, Daddy, how did you and Mom do this? How did y'all get married? How did y'all meet? And I was like, well, girl, sit down. I dated like 300 girls before I met your mom. Does that sound like a good story? 
I don't think you want that for your story. That you found your way to the one because you just left a wake of dead and broken relationships behind you of trying to figure it out because you never really landed on what was really satisfying and whole. You don't want that story of I dated, I dated, I dated, I hooked up, hooked up, hooked up, I tried them all out, and now you're the one, baby. Like, who wants that story? Let me say this. If you think that sleeping with someone will solve that loneliness factor in your heart, the loneliness of singleness, listen, the loneliness of singleness will not be assuaged by the loneliness of laying in a king-sized bed next to somebody that you can't talk to, that you don't identify with, and that does not know or minister to the deep recesses of your heart. That will be a far lonelier place. Imagine, date like the story you want to tell your kids and grandkids. Date like that. So as you see, and, and just, and you're like, now you, in all of this, I hope you get, like, the, the way that God orchestrates and designed dating and relationships is for your joy. Right? You may think, oh, it's so oppressive. I'm not allowed to, like, sleep around with everybody. That's not an oppressive rule. That's for your joy. So that you don't arrive there absolutely broken, just begging God to maybe trust you with one of his daughters or sons. It's for your joy. And so he prays out, the servant. He says, see God, I'm standing beside the spring. And the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink. She says, drink, and I will water your camels too. Let her be the one, God, that you have chosen for your servant Isaac. And by this, I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. Right? Finding a great person means going where the great people are. Right? Like here. Right? Like me. Like I was going to, I was going to youth group. And that's kind of where, like, I'd already met Sarah, but I was like, okay, she's at that youth group. Well, I'll go there. And that started to work on my own heart. It was a great thing for me. Right? But you go where they are. Right? So, so when you, you're going to college or whatever, find a study, find a church, find a place, right? Or if you're single, you're here, maybe you're an adult. This is awesome. This is like great. Like you want to go to the places where the people who might be chasing after God are. And every, but not to find them. You go to, to work on your heart. You get involved in missions. You serve. You do the things. And every now and then, you just you pop up and you're like, man, who's around me? That's how you find the person. You go about, you obey God, man, you chase after the things of him, and every now and then look up, man, who's around you? Those might be the people also chasing after the Lord as well. And 10 camels, remember that. He brought 10 camels. He's like, I want a girl who's like, hey, I'll water all those. A camel. You know how much water a camel drinks? 20 gallons. She's going to like, here's a drink, also 200 gallons, I got that. That's the kind of person he's looking for. And it says this, before he had finished praying, Rebecca came out with her jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who, had, uh, who was the wife of Abraham's brother Nahor. And when the woman was very beautiful, a virgin no man had ever slept with her, she went down to the spring, filled her jar, 
and he came up again, right? So he's praying over here, but then the reader, right, the narrator is saying, also, this was happening over here. Rebecca comes, right, and we get to see she is exactly who the servant is looking for. Now, we get to see that. Servant doesn't know that yet. Well, why does the writer, like, do that, right? Like, it's, like spoiler alert, here she is, right? Now we have to kind of watch this all unfold. Well, why? Because the writer wants us to see the servant walk by faith. And the beauty and, and, the, and the treasure it is to walk with the Lord, right? And so we get to see this. And, and it's interesting, like she was very beautiful, which was not a requirement from Abraham. But God is good, amen? All right. And she waters the camels. And eventually he asks her to do, uh, and eventually uh, he asks her who she is and she tells him. It's like, I'm from the tribe. Uh, and it, once he realizes uh, that she is who he's been looking for, and she's coming water the camp, right? I mean, imagine all of that. Like, she comes in. He's like, oh, she's kind of cute. Oh, my gosh. She's coming. Oh, she's going to offer me a drink of water. She's going to feed the camels, too? Okay, no way that you're, like, part of, like, Abraham's, like, distant, like, you know, whatever people. And she's like, who are you? And she's like, oh, I'm the daughter of da 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 And he's like, no way that just happened. It's you. It's her. And he, it's, the Bible says he bows down and he worships God, which, A, Imagine if you're Rebecca and that happens, right? It's like, oh, I'm Rebecca. Oh, my gosh, praise Yahweh, right? That'd be a little odd, right? This man just bows down immediately and starts worshiping. That'd be crazy, right? But B, you want the story of how you found the one to incite worship within you. You want the story of how you found the one to be a story of God moving, of worship, Something only God could have arranged. I mean, right? Who wants the spouse that's in their league? You know, like, babe, you were about what I could manage. You know? Like, you were right in the mid-range of what I think I could nail down. Right? You don't want that. You want what I got. Right? Like, when I started dating Sarah, her friends thought I went to a different school. They didn't even know who I was. They're like, oh, you're dating who? What school does he go to? Is he on the football team? Ha <laughs> Nope. Right? Newsflash, I'm in your class, and you don't even know who I am. That was me. Right? And it was like, I was so out of my league, y'all. I'm like, how does this happen? God. And that's what you want your story to be, that you had no business Right, like settling into something like this, but man, you just saw the Lord come together and solve this thing for you that you thought would never get solved, would never work out. But you walk in obedience, you wait, you look to Him, and you watch Him knit it together. And I'll tell you this I'm just still so thankful for this day. I still worship God over the many things that weaved in and happened in our relationship to finally bring us together. It was insane. I mean, literally, only a work of God could have brought us together and that's the story you want walk by faith allow God to write your story we're going to skip all the way down to verse 62 because I got two minutes left <laughs> there's a lot of stuff that happens there she goes home and the dad's crazy you know there's a lot of weird stuff that happened but eventually and there's a lot of repeating to kind of tell the whole story over again but eventually we get to the she does come back with the servant she does commit to come she's like all right I'll go 
and she's coming back, and we pick it up in verse 62. This is such a great piece of the story. Now Isaac, so she's coming, like they're coming back on all the camels and stuff. And Isaac, meanwhile, is out in the field, right, as they're kind of coming up. Isaac had come from Beer Leroy, and he was living in the Negev. He went out in the field one evening to meditate and pray. And as he looked up, he saw camels approaching. Like, imagine if you're Isaac, like, he's back. I, mean, I don't even know how long that journey would have taken, right? But they're coming back. Rebecca also looked up and saw Isaac, right? She got down from her camel and asked the servant, who is that man? Right? In the field, coming to meet us, and the servant's like, he is my master. And the servant answered, she took her veil and covered herself, right? And a sign of betrothal. And the servant told Isaac all he had done. And Isaac brought her into his tent of his mother, Sarah, who had already passed away, right? And, and he married Rebekah, so she became his wife, and he loved her, and Isaac was comforted after his mother's death, right? It was all gravy. It all worked out. Isaac had to wait like over 40 years for this to get figured out. Like that's a story that God is writing. And this is a story that you want. You want to have this pillar of faith in the person of Jesus, filling you with all joy, sustaining you, and then you want to have God bring someone alongside with you to be another pillar, not a, not a burdensome yoke, another pillar to wrap to, to go endure together with, partnering with you on an epic journey. The early Christians, they didn't really have the New Testament to work with when they're communicating the gospel to people. They would often use this story to communicate that. Because you see it here, right? The servant is going on behalf of the father, to a land of, of lost people, right? The servant is going on to declare the good news to a chosen bride. And he's saying to her, hey, listen, there's someone who wants to have a relationship, this, this son who has all of the gifts of the father, all the inheritance that he wants you to come in and enjoy. God has set this up. And this is a story that we live in today. This is the gospel that the Lord the Father has sent his servants, people like me, right, and many people like you, gone out, ministers of his word, to tell you there is a son. There is a groom. And you are the bride of Christ. And that all the inheritance, all of the kingdom, all of the riches of his glory, his grace, are just offered to you. The question is, will you go? Will you walk with him? God, even as I've been talking, I just, I mean, it's just been egging on my heart, like those in here um, that are married and, and they're trying to navigate what it's like to have a spouse that's maybe not quite there with them. And, and, and maybe that spouse is even here this morning. God, I just, um, man, I pray for them and in the working out of that, A, if that is, if that is a spouse in here that just kind of feels far from the Lord, um, that they would be encouraged of, of coming and, and doing this with their spouse. And, and I would just say um, that I'm proud of them and thank you for, 
for giving that to their spouse, God, to, to come and be a part of this thing that's wildly important to their spouse that they don't necessarily get yet. God, would you, uh, man, would you bless that effort? Would you encourage them for the spouse that is here that, that just wants that for their spouse. God, just encourage, give them endurance in that and give them a spirit of, uh, I don't know, of mercy, of grace, of, of patience, of, of, of not trying to force that on them. God, just, just being obedient to you. Release them from the pressure of having to bring that along with their spouse, but God, just have them to follow you and, and, and however you would encourage them together, man, just minister to them in only way that you can. And I'm not here to like beat them up. Just, just love them, God, and, and be with them, be around them, encourage them. And even for the marriages that, that both do claim you as Savior, but still find themselves in a place of maybe just a lovelessness or a brokenness, God. Fill their tanks. Man, just take them apart from themselves to chase after you for just a minute refill their tanks to come back to each other to find themselves in you in the person of you the great sacrifice that you have made for them that that would influence now how they sacrifice in their own marriage and for god for those of us who have yet to ever enter these waters maybe we feel we're too young maybe we feel like we're so young this doesn't apply to us god would we already start working on our souls to be the person that the person we're looking for is looking for kind, generous, a follower of you? Would you give that gift to those who are desperately searching for it? Would you remind them that you have good things in mind for them? That you have desire to fulfill the desires of their heart? But God made the desire of their heart be you. Man, just take them to the quiet place to fall in love with their first love, the person of Jesus. And his yoke easy being yoked to the savior is a burden that is light and so we come to that that it might impact and influence how we yoke ourselves with others father may we be encouraged by this word give us strong relationships help us help us stem the tide of what the, what the world would wage on us to make compromises in our dating and in our marriages, Lord. May we hold the line. May we wait in faithfulness knowing that you have a great story in mind for us. And if we've gone too far already, God, would you ransom us back to you? Remind us that we're not damaged goods. Like Jonah, the word of the Lord came to him a second time, and it was the same plan, a plan of faithfulness, a good and glorious life laid out for him. And Lord, you want the same for us. Lord, we love you. It's in this name that we pray. Amen. Shall stand up this morning. We get sent out of here. We made it. You made it through. Y'all were like, I really regret coming to church today. Just feel like you got beat up. All right. All right, would y'all go today with the Lord's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you. Be gracious unto you with the Lord. Look upon you with his favor and grant to you his everlasting peace. Amen.